You're now listening to Fundamental Fast Pitch. Welcome back, everyone. It's Mike here with Jessica Tanner and Heather Maloney on the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. This is episode five titled Coaches Communication with Parents. I'm about 75% back to full strength after last weekend. So I'm pretty excited, guys. This is a conversation that definitely, definitely needs to be at the forefront of the podcast and definitely at the, you know, as we're starting the podcast out at the the earlier portion, because this is something that I believe is missed all too regularly. And I think a lot of it's just lack of understanding of what type of communication that uh, coaches and the parents should be interacting in. Jessica, I'm going to go and let you take the floor on this one, though, probably starting with the expectations, I think. Yeah. So um, I think it's, I think that's a two way street. I mean, it is communication after all. So I would say that expectations are going to vary depending on ages, level of play. Uh, You've got little league, you've got select, you've got all stars. Um, As the parents are involved all throughout those different stages, one, the parents need to kind of manage those expectations in terms of what is being communicated, how often it's being communicated, Um, how much time they have before it's communicated. Um, And then same thing on the coach's side, what can you do to make the experience for the the players and their parents and their families an overall enjoyable experience? So I think the biggest things are um, managing expectations in terms of um, doing your best to communicate early and often. I think that is the simplest approach. And so um, we'll kind of go through the different details there, but I'm going to let Heather actually get it started with Little League expectations. Yeah. So when you're in a league, you might be getting information from a few different sources. Um, You know, when you get to select, you're mostly going to get it from your coach, but with league, you're going to have the league itself. You're going to have your coaches. You most leagues will um, assign team moms. So you're going to be getting uh, information from all those different sources. Um, Typically, you know, the league is going to tell you, um, they might tell you which team you're on, and then they'll probably give out the game schedules. Some leagues will, will also publish uh, like practice schedules. Um, then uh, coaches will generally reach out and let you know or, or set up a sort of a team first practice or team meeting um, where they'll go over practice schedules, whether that's the, the league uh, scheduled practices, or maybe they're going to um, round up some other uh, practice slots at other locations, perhaps. Um, but most of your communications will be from either your coach or your team mom. Team moms generally are going to handle like the fundraising, the picture day, the snack schedule, stuff like that. Some team moms will will handle the day-to-day, you know, practices today, reminder uh, type communications. But you'll get those from coach or team mom. Um, usually coaches will use like a, a group chat or a text, um, or maybe they'll stick with old school email uh, to communicate with the team as a whole. Um, Coaches, uh, a little tidbit, helpful knowledge is to make sure you know your, um, like your league representative. Usually the divisions will have reps. Um, so make sure you know how to get a hold of that person because if you ever have any questions about uh, schedule conflicts or maybe rainouts, things like that, that's going to be who you want to contact to get the right information. Um, so you, as in, in league play, you're going to have a lot of different sources of in, uh, finding in, information. Um, if you're ever in doubt or you, you know, you have questions, always go to coach um, and see, I would start there and then um, maybe you'll have to work your way through the league itself, but start with coach. 
Okay, and and Heather, just just for what it's worth, it's twenty twenty, it's twenty twenty three, and I just love the fact that you dropped email as being an old school way of communication. It is. I, I got my first email when I was like eleven in nineteen ninety six, so I definitely don't disagree. Before we move on to the league versus select expectations, um, communication versus parent participation are two different things, though, right, Jess? Absolutely. So. I was going to ask you to expand on that. I was trying to lead you, man. No, I, 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 I wasn't you, so. actually. I I wasn't sure exactly how much you wanted me to talk on that one because as we're, <laughs> I, well, because as how we're much going time into, yeah, Mike. Well, that's the thing, right? Because I think parents should, one hundred percent, not that they should be willing, right? I, and I'm also a big phrase of the kids spell love T I M E, right? But like, I I I, I do find it. You know, there is a difference between communication with parent participation and a league versus a select level environment. Absolutely. And just to add to Heather's point on Little League, uh, 99.9% of those coaches are going to be volunteers. They're going to yes. be parent volunteers. Most of them are going to be parent volunteers that have never touched a softball. So um, just managing expectations on the entire experience. But um, go introduce yourself, getting to know them, um, asking questions. If you're a parent that has played before, or if you have older daughters, or if you've been around the game, uh, offering up some expertise, offering to help, just being available for whatever makes it easier on that coach as well. And it just, it helps with that, that relationship, that parent coach relationship. And ultimately the relationship that your player is going to have with that coach and that experience in little league. Well, and it's funny, I just real quick to interject before we hop back over um, the parent versus coach relationship. I, you know, it's huge, right? Now, I mean, obviously the communication is, is the topic is cute. It's key, right? But the communication with the parents and the coaches really can at times, in my opinion, like lead to extremely positive reactions and, and buy-in from the players as well. Just seeing Absolutely. that they're getting along tenfold. I mean, it, one, everyone washes each other back, if you will, for layman's terms, I guess. But, um, you know, it really does, it seems to make things flow just much smoother when, you know, your child believes that your coach and and your and their parent are on the same page. And I think as with everything, that's communication is key, which is why we're doing this episode. Um, so Heather touched on the league expectations, Jessica. What about select level expectations between coaches and uh, parents? Yeah, so I'm going to go back to it. Um, communicate early, communicate often. So, so I have found, and again, this is just personal opinion. This is what works for us. And um, I have had nothing but success, at, at least in managing expectations, managing um, any differences or discrepancies or uh, just uncomfortable situations or conflict throughout the uh, parent and coach relationship. So on the select side, um, the biggest thing is planning, planning ahead, knowing what kind of team you're going to have, what your goals are. Um, I, I always say, like, absolutely. Um, and, and you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, it's okay to say, Hey, we're not really sure. Um, we'd like to go play open class, but, um, we just, we don't know we're a new team or we, we haven't faced any like good competition yet. So we're going to start out like B or C class, and then go from there. Um, so just ex communicating your expectations, your plan that you have in your head for the team, for the season. And it's okay if that changes, but at le least you set the expectation up front. So I always say um, same 
same thing on your tryouts, your open practices. As soon as your, let's say your fall season ends, you need to be meeting with your coaches and getting your schedule out. Okay, here are our spring, summer tryout dates. Here are open practice dates. Um, when it comes to your practices, if you schedule your practices for Wednesdays and Sundays and you have a rain out, okay, you need to know that the forecast shows rain and planning ahead just to make that experience better for everyone. So um, backtracking a little bit, um, setting your tryout dates, setting your open practice dates, getting those communicated to your parents so that those parents can go communicate it to their their friends and families that might be interested in playing for you. Um uh, whenever you have those tryouts, I always think it's a good idea to have a, a, a little parent meeting afterwards and just outlining some of those key questions that you know parents are going to ask out of a courtesy to them so that they know, okay, this team is planning on X, Y, and Z, but this team is doing A, B, and C. So they can compare more so apples to apples instead of apples to oranges and pineapples and all the things in between because uh, Lord knows the select experience, it varies not only between organization, but between teams in the same organization. So doing your best to communicate often, early, having those little parent meetings after your tryouts, um, some things that you need to discuss with parents preseason, um, what class that you anticipate the team being, whether it's A, B, C, or open, um, what your schedule looks like, your practice schedule, your tournament schedule, um, where you anticipate going to nationals, uh, one thing, again, that has worked really well for us is we go ahead and we we outline all of the weekends that we plan to play tournaments and then all of the weekends that we plan to be off. And so I know right now here we are early March, but our schedule is set all the way through the middle of July. We know where we're going to nationals. The girls get the rest of summer off for their summer camps and vacations and things of that nature. So by setting that early, communicating it early, it gives your families an opportunity to go and plan other things that are important to them as well, such as other kids' schedules and planning around um, multiple siblings or um, church camp or anything of that nature. It's just, it's always appreciated from a parent standpoint, um, getting that schedule out early. And like I said, it's okay if it changes, but if it's going to change, the earlier you can communicate that, the better. Um, some other things to cover in your communications uh, for select what your dues are going to be. Um, if you're planning on fundraising, when you're planning on fundraising, um, transparency of your financials. Uh, that's something that's huge in select ball. Uh, we're paying X amount of money. What are we getting? Do we have a paid coach? Are we having are we paying for facilities? Um, what is it ex exactly that we're getting? Uh, if you have any player parent policies or specific rules that you want to enforce, communicating those early. Uh, and then also the coaches communication preferences, um, telling them, hey, I'm really, really busy. I never check my email. Please call or text me. Or if it's something important, uh, shoot me an email, shoot me a text and let's talk about it in person. Let's talk about it on the phone. Uh, I know that there are certain conflicts that After are going to come up with hours. select. Yeah, well, I was going to say certain conflicts. Um, if it's something that a parent is unhappy with, we can go back to the 24-hour rule that we mentioned uh, on one of our earlier episodes and just kind of giving both parents and coaches the opportunity to remove any emotions and uh, big feelings out of the equation and really get down to what am I mad about? What would I like the resolution to be? How do we get there together? Um, so just communicating things like that early and then giving the parents an opportunity to ask questions. And again, you don't have to know the answer, 
but it opens up those conversations to where everyone at least is on the same page going into the season. Well, I've been on on both sides of the ledger now. And one of my favorite things that, again, we've done, and I'm big on transparency, is when there was a like kind of like a team rule book available for for parents to kind of browse over as we were, you know, having our our practices and tryouts. And I I before I kick it over to Heather, sorry, Heather, I was very excited as you were talking, Jessica, because you were talking about like all the things you want to cover. You're like, do schedule, fundraising. I have them all written down. And then I was like, of course I do, because that's what I've been conditioned to ask for. So exactly. <laughs> um Heather, since Jess kind of was did a really good job talking about the preferred method communication. What can like you say or not say um, as a coach communicating with parents um, at any level, really? Like how much information is too much information and, and what do you think is appropriate versus inappropriate? Would you necessarily share your your theories behind while you're doing what you're doing on the field? Or is that kind of like coach's corner to type of deal? What do you think? That's an interesting question. Um, I, me personally, I am always open to having a conversation about why I do the things the way I do them. So that's not something I would necessarily, you know, approach a parent on or at, at random just to bring it up. But if there's ever like a, a question or I, or I sense that there's maybe some, I don't know, some discomfort about how things are being done, then absolutely that I'm always open to that conversation. Um, what not to do? Uh, on both sides, parents and coaches, um, let's never, never get physical. That's just unacceptable. Um, whether that's with each other on the same team or I've seen it where, you know, on the field, one team's starting to get upset and they start to approach the other team or say an umpire maybe aggressively. And that's just completely unacceptable and so many levels. And it's, and it's yeah, funny because it happens way more than you might think. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That- Hey, I'm guys, I'm going to go ahead and jump in and say it. I already told Heather during one of our games this weekend, I looked over, we, we had a, um, it actually was a game altering call. The umpires made the right call. There was just a little bit of, uh, of, um, timing delay in making it. So, um, at one point we were walking off the field and I looked over at Heather and the other coach is being restrained by one of their coach and going at the umpire. And I just told her, I was like, Hey, we're about to end up on TikTok or YouTube because there is going to be an altercation on this field right now. And it's, it's just a distraction. It's unacceptable. It makes everyone uncomfortable. Um, it makes the girls uncomfortable. Everyone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I, I, so this may not necessarily, so I'm going to just, I'm going to do what I'm probably going to do as we progress the podcast, kind of go off the, off the cuff for a second. So I, I've thought about this a lot. So, you know, our girls real quick, we're like, we've talked about not tying too much into it, but I think we're sharing a little bit here as it relates to previous experiences. So I'm going to jump in. Our girls have been fortunate to have an all-female staff. Now, that's not saying one is right, one is another. My child um, actually really enjoyed that, and I, you know, I, I told that. Are you going to handle things differently, though? And and in, in an instance in which you, you know, you just referenced because it's an all-female staff versus if there was, you know, some some guy, some 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 bucket dad for 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 lack of a better term, and I, I say it lovingly because I'm a bucket dad, but. Are you going to approach it differently, maybe, and communicate differently, maybe even with the umpires in that situation? Because I, I've seen it firsthand a lot of the times where you guys, 
potentially and you know we'll get a different reaction than myself or someone you know i'll go and say his name ryan who i coach with who 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 has gotten is that is that is that par for course does that need to be edited out like what do you think i don't know i don't i don't think it's necessarily a clear like male female line i mean i've seen plenty of male coaches that you know are even killed level-headed you know approach umpires respectfully you know that are not sort of uh you know loose cannons um and then I've also seen some female coaches that are just like, wow, what, what do you have going on over there? You know, they're just kind of a little crazy. Um, so I don't think it's a, just a strict male-female divide there. And I, I'm going to add to that, Heather. I don't think it's necessarily on the coaching side, but I, I personally have felt that way when it comes to umpires and how they handle situations with a female coaching staff versus a male coaching staff, um, good, bad, right, or wrong. Um, there, I've definitely noticed a difference in the experience there, but back to Mike's initial comment, I think one thing on our coaching staff in particular, being the all-female staff is that we have a really good balance of characters. So, um, we've got one coach that's, um, just super chill, go with the flow, uh, very passionate about the game, but very even killed. And then we have one coach that's more animated, um, wears her emotions on her sleeve, just you always know where she's at. She loves the girls, love the game, and she really wants to win. And then you've got another coach that's kind of in the middle, best of both worlds. And I feel like we personally do a really good job of balancing each other out and kind of stepping into that role as needed, depending on if it's conversations with other coaches or other umpires or even the girls at times. Um, because there have been times with our team where there are certain instances where they need like a stern talking to and there's other instances where they need like a high five and a hug and like a dad joke. And so just being able to know what that balance is, again, going back to communication styles and knowing your, your players and building relationships with your players and parents and coaches. And I think it all comes down to communication, to be honest. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> Not, not again to, to harp too much on it, but I think, I think, you know, this is why we're doing the podcast guys. Like there's, there, there, these conversations are not happening. This seems something that's very basic. Like, why would I have to worry about that? But it could make all the difference in the world in the girl's experience on the, on the diamond. Yeah. And I, I, I just thought of this, but I think it's a very, very important aspect. I, I am very big on holding my players accountable. If they want more playing time, you come to talk to me about it. If they want to play a per certain position, let's talk about it. Let's give you those opportunities. But I think the same thing goes to be said is if as a coach, if you're making a change, if you want to try to shake things up, if you're going to move girls around in the lineup, I think it's very important that you go directly to those girls, especially the, the younger ones, 8U, 10U, 12U, that are still figuring out the game, working through confidence, finding their place on the team. I think it's very important to go to them and say, hey, Hey, you're doing fantastic. I love how hard you're working. I want to shake things up this game. I'm going to move you from shortstop over to second base. We're going to give this player a shot. Uh, just remember to talk to her. You know the game more than anyone. So it's just communicating with the players and making sure that they know what your expectations are. Um, Heather, going back to the conversations about your coaching style or, or if you have a hunch or whatever it is, the biggest thing is just communicate that to your players. That way they don't get in their head. They don't think something's wrong. They don't get in their feelings. And everybody knows where everybody's at. And it, again, opens up those doors for conversation. 
Absolutely. I, I agree. Um, I think meeting the players at their level is so foundational to their growth. It's, it's, it, it's, it's unspoken, but I think it's a huge thing. What do you think, Heather? Absolutely. It's the, the, the relationships you build with the players, it's built solely at the beginning, especially through communication. If you cannot communicate even just your expectations for what you expect on the field, they are not going to feel comfortable coming to you when they do have questions or when they have a problem or anything like that, um, whether it's game related or not, they're not going to feel comfortable coming to you. So you have to, you have to, as the coach, you need to be the first one to open that door of communication. It's so important. Um, now, and speaking on communication, there's multiple different platforms to communicate. Um, Jess, do you have any favorites? Um, I'm going to be honest. I have different platforms that I've used. I don't know if I necessarily have any favorites because I'm all about efficiency. So some of them have their flaws. Um, but I know some of the ones that we use around this area, um, we personally use Game Changer for our stats. I know they have like a messaging platform as well. Um, one of the th things that we struggled with on Game Changer was that it was kind of open to the public and anyone could let anyone in. So if you're looking to keep your conversations more team specific and private, um, that was just something that didn't didn't work for us. That was a whoops. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, that's a well, lesson learned. And <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I think it's funny, right? Like, like my my daughter's grandfather was like, "Uh, does Easton have practice today?" Like, like, <laughs> like effective communication. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Dad, my bad. <laughs> yes, so, exactly. I mean, I it, was, so, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> pros and cons, depending on what the conversation is, right? Um, I know there's also Team Snap. They support a bunch of different uh, different sports and organizations. So that I know they've got basketball and volleyball and softball, baseball. Um, we I, I found that GroupMe works pretty well. You can have your individual coaches chats. You can have player chats. You can have parent chats. You can have whole team chats. Um, it has a bunch of different like individual channels, and then it also allows you to do like scheduling and polls and pictures and kind of everything all in one. So I, I have leaned towards that one more often. And then one of the new ones that has come up that I'm not very familiar with, but I have heard talked about more is also Telegram. So those are just kind of some group communication platforms that are available to make sure sure that your communication from your coaches to your parents or to your players um, is as efficient as possible. So that way, real time game changes or field changes or things of that, you're just trying to get those messages out as quickly as possible. All right. Well, I think that'll cover it tonight. Uh, <clears throat> thanks, everyone, for listening to episode five. Coming up will be episode six, which will be how to run an effective and efficient practice. So please Get those pencils and paper ready for that one. As always, make sure to comment, like, share across all social media platforms. Ladies, anything else before we get out of here? Um, nope. Just a reminder, communicate early, communicate often, and always have an open mind. All right. We'll be back in a couple days with the next episode. Thanks, guys.